Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in, welcome to homesteading and gardening in the suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today I want to talk about our journey to getting our homestead um, or our forever stead um, and I want you to know that I'm really not a perfect homesteader and that's okay. Like I definitely don't have a farm that is going to appear in a magazine anytime soon and I'm okay with that. And I think it's important for us to talk about the journey of becoming a homesteader. And even though I I would kind of class myself as being a beginner still, like I'm still learning and I don't think I'm ever not going to be learning when it comes to having a homestead. But I want you to understand that things are a journey and a process and it's not just kind of one day I jumped all in and decided to do this. It was things that have happened over a a number of years and I don't want you to get discouraged by that but I figured that maybe sharing the story of how this came to be might help you on your journey to having a homestead. Because you might have a similar dream. You might want to move to the country and have a quaint old farmhouse and live off the land as much as you can. Maybe you're wanting an off-grid lifestyle where you are completely living off the land. Maybe you want a little house in the woods. Or maybe you're just wanting a thriving vegetable garden in your backyard to cut the cost of groceries. Homesteading is a different journey and a different dream for every single one of us. And my dream was kind of different from what I originally wanted many, many years ago. And I think it's important to really talk about some of these things and some things that happen on this journey to becoming a homesteader and some of the skills that we've certainly looked at learning as we have really dug into this path of becoming homesteaders. So let's dig in and talk a little bit about that. Now, I've always loved being in the garden as a kid. Like I earned my pocket money doing stuff in the garden. That's an allowance if you're here in America. Um, I remember trying very, very hard to sway my parents into letting me have a vegetable patch and a little rabbit area out in the back garden. I mean, I was showing my parents plans and how we could make this work and what materials that we needed to be able to do it. And like that, that wasn't, that didn't happen. Um, it really didn't happen. I was able to grow stuff at my grandparents' house and I was always able to get stuck in and help them with their gardens. Um, but my parents never really grew anything in the garden. If they did veggies and stuff, it was in a grow bag or in a container. And actually this year, I mean, I am almost 40 and this is like the first year my parents have ever grown anything in a little patch in their garden. And they were, they've they been sending me messages about it and it's made me so happy. <laughs> like I just had to move out for a long time and then they thought about doing it. So they're just starting their journey to growing food in their back garden. They're just kind of experimenting with a few different things and some things worked, some things didn't. And that's kind of cool for them to be doing. 
but I've always had some level of gardening in some way, shape or form, no matter where I have lived. And I've lived in lots of different areas. I've lived in flats or apartments, condos. I've lived in houses with gardens, houses that didn't. Um, I've lived in different places in the UK, different places here in America. Like I've gardened in lots of different growing conditions. Um, so, you know, some things have definitely worked and some things haven't. But my my idea of having a homestead started really as a dream to move to a farm. I mean, years and years and years ago. And I wanted to farm sheep in Scotland with my beloved border collie Sparky. And that didn't pan out. <laughs> I'm now in Maine. Um, Sparky passed the Rainbow Bridge a few weeks ago. Um, and he was never... He was never really going to be a sheepdog, even though he was a um, from working dog stock. Um, he was great to herd up the chickens and ducks, but never he never really was bothered by sheep. And even when given the opportunity, he did not want to herd the sheep um, at all. So <laughs> that probably would not have worked well for um, either of us. But the thought of having a farm really led me into researching farming and you know different types of farms and then as I was looking into things like subsistence farming I stumbled into small holdings in the UK and what those looked like and homesteading here in America so I devoured as much information about homesteading and small holding as I possibly could I was watching shows about people who were leaving the corporate world and going into farming or living off the land. I was reading books about it. Um, I tried to get as much information about it as I possibly could. And this was over a long, long, long time. And I still have books from the UK about having small holdings and stuff like now I live in the US. And although things like the regulations and stuff are very, very different, there's still valuable information that I get from reading those books. And I still read them a lot. So I have quite an extensive library about these farming and homesteading skills and I'm always like adding my knowledge to it whether I'm getting books from the library and reading about things or I'm watching a video about stuff. I was always learning about these things and a lot of these books that I have about self-sufficiency or back to basic or kind of country living type of books a lot of the information that was in them, even when I was living in an apartment, like I was still reading and getting ideas for things. There was always stuff that I could still be doing, even in an apartment setting. And having that knowledge meant that as I came into like a community garden, for example, I had ideas on what it was that I wanted to grow and how to grow it. Or I had ideas for how I was going to build a compost bin, for example. Like I had these ideas because I'd spent time researching and really getting getting a good knowledge base behind me so that's one thing that I did quite a lot of was really digging into the research because I found uh, certainly as I've gotten older having 
a lot of different ways of doing stuff really helps you um, with being able to innovate and come up with ideas on how to problem solve on the homestead. Um, and just generally as I got older, I spent a lot more time in the garden. I spent the time learning some of these skills to grow my own vegetables or fruits and herbs. And all throughout um you know my childhood and my early 20s and 30s like i have been learning homesteading skills on the way and that's that's not meant to be like a, a discouraging statement for you like oh my gosh you know it's going to be like 30 years before i i get to where i want to be like what is your homesteading dream like what is your why like what is it that you are picturing and seeing that the skills that you are learning is going to help you get to that step and you know even with a small garden you know I didn't always succeed um, and I have things that don't work even now like and I don't have a huge homestead I mean there's homesteaders that have got hundreds of acres I have three acres and that is a lot for me and um, you know things don't always don't always pan out and mistakes or failures are not really failures there are ways that we learn so that we can adapt and adjust what we're doing in our homestead or our garden for next time so our journey to get here isn't a smooth one it's had a lot of ups and downs and that is completely normal and it's not something that seems to be talked about a lot you know when i watch videos about homesteading or shows about homesteading like you don't always kind of see what has sort of happened in the background to get there it's always like everything's sunshine and rainbows and you know there's unicorns running around or whatever and that that doesn't you know that's that's more the rarity than the norm I think so don't be discouraged if you're having struggles you are not alone and just to show you that I still have things go wrong, I'm going to share a few things that have, you know, been a failure. And I'm using that in quotation marks, um, you know, so you can get an idea of, you know, what we messed up on. So um, our garden flooded with all the rain. Uh, it flooded this year and it flooded the year before. Um, the deer ate 80% or more of the veggies that I planted last year when we first moved. Um, oh gosh, yeah, a couple, oh, not a couple of years ago. I mean, a couple of years ago as in being like a solid decade now. <laughs> um, you know, we had rats in our compost pile one time. That was gross. Um, hawks got our chickens one time. Um, completely lost the garden to drought one year. Um, I lost my seed collection to damp. That, that was terrible. Um, and garden beds got overrun with weeds. So that's, that's just a few things. And there's, there's tons more. Um, but those are things that are pretty memorable for us. But we learned and adapted. And we learn and adapt. So we make changes to try and avoid these problems next time. 
And if you haven't listened to the interview that I did with Noah from Boomy Devi Seeds last week, we talked a lot about experimenting in your garden to see what works. So definitely go back and check out that episode um, because there's a ton of great information that's in there to inspire you in your garden and homestead. Now let's talk about some of the things that um, we adapted to to try and avoid the problems. So to combat the flooding, we are going to be making swales and some terraces further up the hill to move the water to a pond that is going to be going in. So that hasn't been done yet, but that is on plan for this fall. Um, the deer problem, that was resolved by we saved up money and we put in a wire fence with engineering stakes on t-posts so it wasn't an overly expensive um fence to put in the most expensive piece actually i think was saving up for those t-posts because those were pretty spendy um but that was something that we did and the deer have now not been getting into the garden if they do again, then my next step is going to be putting a electric fence on. Um, so that should help discourage the deer. So that's how we stopped that. Um, we changed how we compost. So we used a metal tumbling composter instead when we lived in the suburbs um, to discourage like rodents because they weren't getting into that composter um, we and whenever we had like a lot of materials that we were putting in the composter so we were doing one on the ground we made sure to turn it at least once a week and um, that helped to discourage rodents and we also wanted to um, we put like snap traps in boxes and we put those around so if we were going to catch something we we would um we just needed to be a little bit better in checking those traps because I do remember one day where um my dog Walt found a dead rat in one of the snap traps and was running around the garden with it it was so gross um but you know these are things again it's a teachable moment that we could learn how could we do a bit better that time maybe check the traps before letting the dogs out that would be helpful um our hawk problem was resolved by having um our chickens in a pen that had a top cover that stopped birds of prey getting in we also stopped free ranging in the backyard to protect the flock so that then evolved into our chicken tractor setup that we're using here on the homestead in, as well um Oh, the year that we lost the garden to drought was um, the year that pushed me to set up rainwater catchment off the shed um, so that I would have water to use in the garden next year because we had hose pipe bands um, in the UK. We weren't able to like actually set up a hose to water the garden everything had to be done certainly on the allotment it had to be done by a watering can and I wasn't anywhere near the pipe um, and the, the faucet to get the water so everything just kind of got lost with a, a drought um, it was also when I really started saving seeds and looking into really creating my own varieties that were thriving in the garden and that's now evolved into a much heavier seed saving and developing land races which I've talked about before on the podcast and written about on the blog so you can read into that a little bit more 
Um, next, oh, losing seeds to damp. Oh my gosh, that was that was heartbreaking for me um, because so many I couldn't replace um, because there were seed companies that have since gone out of business or people have passed away. They're no longer sharing those seeds. Um, so that was that was a pretty tough um tough thing to go through but now I use old clean jars so like if you get like a jar of sauce or whatever from the grocery store I will wash and dry those jars and I put my seeds in those and I'm also working to actually grow out my seed collection so growing out varieties and saving the fresh seed because you know realistically the best place for seeds to be is growing in our garden and not you know in a jar sitting in a basement not doing anything like plants want to be out they want to be growing they want to be able to pollinate and produce more seeds that's what plants want to do and then the final thing is after digging and tilling my beds they are so overrun with weeds because they're getting light they're getting water they're able to germinate I spent so much time, like hours upon hours upon hours a week, just trying to get the weeds, you know, back a little bit. I did more than that than anything else. And it was just such a big waste of time. And that's when I switched to a no dig or no till garden. And it significantly saved my time, especially when I'm having to work full time and that's that's a reality like I still work full time I'm not doing the you know the homestead thing full time would I love to absolutely but that's not the reality unfortunately so how how can I make things a lot more automated or reduce the work so I can work smarter not harder for some of these things and and that's where like a lot of reading and research and getting inspired from what other people are doing really helps you as a homesteader and a gardener so mistakes and failures are really these teachable moments as my husband calls them and they they really help guide to how we work with our land to homestead and you know honestly even though I didn't have a couple of acres to homestead on. I was making do with what I had available, you know, whether it was growing in containers or, you know, growing some herbs on a patio or a deck or I rent had a rented spot in a community garden or an allotment or I was growing like some beans in my granny's garden, whatever it was. Um, we started small and even when I bought my first house, we started with six raised beds because the first year was so overrun with weeds in the previous owner's garden because they had tilled everything. I just, I couldn't keep up with it. Um, so starting small, practice your skills, find out what works for you and what doesn't. You can always build more beds or add more garden space or more containers with plants in like once you get the hang of things over a couple of seasons and that's okay but maybe that your skills being extended isn't necessarily by growing more but it's by using what you have so maybe it is using them more in the kitchen and learning to cook maybe your skills are around seed saving instead 
of trying to make the garden bigger maybe you're trying to seed save more instead and that's a really great homestead skill to have too now once we got the hang of having a garden where we were we added livestock and for us livestock looked like chickens and a beehive now we could only have six chickens um, per the rules of the city and we worked with the city for where the coop could go the hive could go um, the licenses that were needed to be in place the inspections the city had to come do an inspection and sign off on everything and we did all of that good stuff and getting our first ever egg was such a great feeling and honestly watching the chickens was kind of fun after work but I'm gonna be honest we had a really really big learning curve there as well like we have lost birds from predators them getting sick spoiled food sickly chicks that didn't survive cannibalism yep we had a Hannibal Lecter and that was that was horrible <laughs> But over the years that we have kept backyard chickens, we have learned a lot and we've took those learnings and we've used them here on the farm. So we've changed how we've built coops, like what worked well for the coops that we had in the suburbs, what didn't, how we're protecting the birds from the predators, right? How we plan to incorporate kitchen scraps to make compost for more of a permaculture approach to chicken keeping, right? Those things have all kind of been thought about and learned from our previous experience on a smaller scale. We've also rethought about little things like um, going organic, not using medicated chick feed for the baby chicks, how we give our chickens their food to reduce the waste that's spilled all over the floor, um, giving them grit or crushed oyster shell. Like that was an interesting innovation that we had. And that was that came through being part of um, some poultry keeping or chicken keeping groups through Facebook so there was somebody who had like they had a mayonnaise um, like plastic mayonnaise jar and they had it screwed underneath their coop so um, the chickens were able to get to it whenever they wanted and they'd put in like little holes so the birds could just kind of peck through and get what they needed through the little holes and I thought oh that's kind of a cool idea and um, you know it was out the way it didn't take up a lot of room and I guess they just kind of like screwed the lid of the mayonnaise jar like up into the bottom of um, the coop and then they just when they need to refill it they just unscrew it fill it up and then screw it back in and that was kind of that was kind of awesome I, I really loved how that was done um I didn't I don't have like a coop that's that high to be able to do that with um or the container that we've got is pretty huge so what I've done or what I'm planning on doing um, depending on when this podcast goes out is I'm screwing the jar the plastic jar that used to have dog food treats in and um, because I've got one that's kind of square shaped so I could screw it into the side of the coop and then just have like a little slot cut out where the chickens can go in and like peck out their oyster shell or their grit whatever it is that they need as and when they need it so I can have one for the oyster shell one for the grit I can put it in the movable coop um so it moves with them like it's all fine and dandy um but that was just something that was inspired by somebody else that was doing it and I love the fact that it's using up and recycling something that was going to be waste right use it up where 
figure it out, make it do or do without. And we'd been looking at, you know, getting a different feeder or something just for the grit and the oyster shell, which is crazy pants. Like, why, why buy one when I can make something do? So... You, you never know quite where inspiration will come. And same for things like uh, providing water over winter. Now, where we used to live, like the water froze over winter. And what we would do is we would bring in the waterer inside and on a night so it was not frozen. And then in the morning, we would go put out that water so the chickens were able to have like unfrozen water. Here in Maine, obviously, the winters are a lot colder and we got to figure out very quickly how we're going to be able to provide the chickens with water and you know there's some other things that we're thinking about because of work schedules and stuff like that how we're going to be able to do some of these things so again we're building on the skills and experiences that we have but we're also like talking to people and you know looking at what other people do and if you're in these kind of homesteading groups or you know gardening groups and stuff particularly in Facebook you can always search through previous posts like within the group like search for different keywords and kind of look to see how people are doing this like you know for example you know keeping the water unfrozen right you could search for you know unfrozen water or water in winter something like that so you can take a look and see how other people are doing it there might be a method that works for you but know that not every method that people are using is gonna work for you and that's okay so we're learning stuff we are still learning stuff and we are always going to be learning stuff and even now we have definitely learned stuff so i mentioned about how our um, protection from the predators fed into how we have built a coop here so recently this is a very recent learning that we have so i came up with an idea of our movable hoop coop greenhouse so it is a movable chicken tractor it is like fully covered with um, hardware cloth and chicken wire over hog panel fencing like it is pretty it is very sturdy it's kind of hard for things to get in and out in terms of predators and my idea was when it wasn't being used throughout the summer I, you know it was just basically going to be sitting there not used over winter I could throw over some greenhouse plastic and I can use it as a greenhouse to overwinter plants to save seed from or harvest or whatever in the garden right that was that was my plan I wanted it to pull double duty and be able to be used for multiple things so our idea was this has got wheels on it we can move it around we can move the chickens every day it'll be great and the the thought of it is great if you were on level ground <laughs> most of our land is a north facing slope it is very uneven there's lots of dips and troughs in there and little hilly bits and stuff the hoop coop is great in certain parts of the yard where it is flat but the day-to-day -day moving the hoop is a two to three person task it's really hard to move it because of the nature of the ground and I'll be honest like it's quite difficult to get the motivation to move the hoop coop at dusk when all the chickens have gone into bed and um, because the coop inside of that hoop coop doesn't have wheels on it so somebody's got to basically get 
into the hoop coop, move the roosting coop about, um, then the other people have got to move the outer hoop coop and move it around so we can wheel it all the way back and put the birds on a new amount of grass, right? Um, it's a bit of a pain to do. It's really hard to get the motivation, um, especially if it's pouring with rain and it's dark outside. Um, but we're not discouraged because we're moving to electric poultry fencing and some netting overhead to protect the birds from birds of prey, right? That's our next step of our next experiment. Is this going to work better? It's going to give the chickens a bigger space to move in around and forage. I still get the benefit of that chicken tractor, you know, where they're basically clearing that ground. They're eating all those bugs and pests. They're tilling it all up. And, um, you know, we can get the um, electric fencing set up on unlevel ground. Um, is there a way that we can have the coop like the the roosting coop open and close automatically so we don't need to walk down the three acres to the coop when it's dark in the morning to get the birds out maybe maybe there's something that will work there there's automatic doors and all sorts of things nowadays um so there might be some stuff there and there's definitely an area of research and testing for us to look into with a new setup again we're experimenting on what works for our homestead or schedule like how can we make this work and how can we get kind of creative maybe it works better if we were to move the chickens up closer to the house and then we're able to you know keep an eye on them a little bit better and we're able to nip out and open up the coop in a morning and stuff even though there's three feet of snow on the ground like there's there's things that we obviously are going to be learning as we go through our first winter with chicken keeping and you know I, I know I'm focusing on chickens because it's something that we're actively learning on right now but that's you know could be said for anything it could be your first spring garden it could be you know you building garden beds for the the first time like it's really experimenting and trying new things and what works right for us our um the garden beds that we set up where we used to live were these hugel beds so they had like branches and bits of wood and stuff in the bottom of them that then broke down and decomposed over time and we had the most beautiful and productive gardens growing because of that and that's not what we're ha experiencing now as no-till gardeners um, were actually struggling quite a bit although it's been a difficult year with the weather we've had so much rain um, a lot of rain and because of a lot of rain there's been a lot of mold problems inside as well as outside there's lots of diseases and things so you know is it that it's just been a, a bad year or is it because of how we're growing not so sure but what we do know is we want to actually put in some hugel culture beds um, because we know that is something that has worked well for us in the past and we want to try and grow like that again and see is this going to be something that's going to work now we're not going to convert all of the beds to hugel culture beds in one go absolutely not we're going to make one hugel bed and see whether it's going to work and if it does work well then we will expand again starting small testing it working on to something bigger and honestly when my husband and i sort of 
got together and you know started talking about like wanting this homesteady type of lifestyle we we started learning skills um whether it was diy home repair um building things or woodworking and basic carpentry or things that he was good at um i dived into things like crochet knitting sewing quilting but i also did you know woodworking and building stuff like i always try and help um as much as my husband did i don't work well together when we're building something um we've actually come a long way in terms of working together and i i really loved building the chicken coops with him and i learned so much like i didn't know anything about framing and now i feel pretty confident that i could actually frame stuff like i i feel i'm i mean i definitely feel confident in demolishing stuff because i've been able to do that where we used to live and now as i look around the room that i'm recording in i'm my brain's already thinking about you know remodeling this room and what that's going to look like but you know he's got a lot of skills and he's been able to teach those to me um he doesn't have any interest in doing crochet or knitting other than me making him a cable knit sweater, which I'm, I mean, we've been married for almost 10 years and he's still waiting for that. So sometime I will get to it. <laughs> but really like digging into some of these other skills are part of our homesteading journey. Most recently, I'm learning about clothing repair and I'm finding joy in darning socks of all things. Like I never, I never thought I would be darning socks and I'm, I, I wish my grandmother was still here because I would be talking to her about darning socks. And um, I wish that that was a skill that I had learned from her, but it wasn't. It was something that I had learned from books um, it was books that my grandmother had left me but also things from the library and also videos like youtube youtube has been such a great resource there's you know a lot of classes as well that are available there might be classes that you could take at a local community college a quilt shop um adult learning annexes or evening classes even weekend classes right there's there's a lot of things that are available and some of the classes might be more expensive than others so um you know you might want to shop around a bit try and find something that's going to work for you and your budget but on on the surface some of these skills might seem more like hobbies but we've actually leveraged these things into homesteading skills for us so carpentry great example put to great use building pens coops greenhouses garden boxes and so much more finer woodworking has meant that we could build furniture my husband's built furniture we've repaired things that we bought very cheap or found for free like i've refinished um a 50 year old sewing machine um that came in a cabinet we have repaired it we have um like i i have repaired it like i've repaired the sewing machine and got that all working um my husband helped me repair the cabinet repaint it refinish it like he refinished the top like shell act it and it is it is so smooth and easy to work with and i love quilting and sewing on my vintage machine i can't get enough of it it's amazing but these are skills that we learned and i think i maybe paid like a hundred dollars for this machine and it had all the stuff with it and this cabinet it's been great but this was turning something that was very inexpensive and it has 
I mean, I use this thing almost every week. It's been awesome. And that's kind of like the power of building these these skills. And, you know, very much like my husband's grandfather's saying of use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without just is constantly in my head for things because we're really able to make the best use of resources that are already here. So things like crochet, it became, I mean, it was always a hobby, like it's very calming. I can just focus on counting the stitches or, you know, just be focused in the moment of what I'm doing. And I love doing crochet, absolutely love it. It's one of those things I can pick up, I can put down, I can. it's portable, right? It's more portable than quilting for me. Um, but it became a way to be able to make clothing, like sweaters or cardigans or hats, scarves, mittens, right? Um, blankets and it was things that we could use as gifts or we could use for ourselves to keep us warm. Sewing, that was, you know, a great skill to learn and I, I'm not a not a pro. Um, I still make mistakes, but I love the joy of learning. So I was learning to make bags, aprons, placemats, pillows, things that would be useful. I love upcycling stuff. Absolutely love it. Um, one of the greatest joys that I have is like taking something that is a scrap and making it into something else. And quilting is a skill that I have really, really recently picked up. And I love it. It's been a wonderful way to gift loved ones with something that brings them warmth, comfort and love, as well as using fabric that I have stashed for a long time. But that's a different story. Um, but also, you know, it's it's been a really wonderful way for me to connect with people and have somebody teach me how to um, make a quilt and um, bond over some really wonderful you know, stories and um, time, time spent with people. So there's there's a lot more that comes out of that. And clothing repair, of course, helps keep things going a lot longer without the need to keep buying clothes. And all of that has fed into keeping our living expenses much lower. And our journey to homesteading wasn't just gardening and building these skills and having chickens or bees. It was about making other changes in our life that helped us get here too. So we looked at buying things from the thrift store, local classifieds, yard sales, or finding things on the side of the road for free. Like seriously, the roadside will provide, especially if you're in a town or city, but even living rurally. Oh my gosh. Like there's always something on the side of the road that people are giving away for free. It's crazy. But we have found tables, chairs, a sofa that was in great shape for free. Um, like checking out what's available for free and the classifieds can help you find anything for free from chickens or manure actually okay let's let's do an experiment i'm just going to take a quick peek and see what's for free right now in my stay on one of the classifieds let's have a look let's have a look there are oh wood pallets there's loads of things you can do with wood pallets as a homesteader um there's a computer desk um I think I saw in one of the chicken groups, somebody had converted a computer desk into a coop. So that was kind of cool. Um, there's some sofas for free, a 250-gallon oil tank. Oh, there's a sump pump. I could do with a sump pump with my flooding problem. Um, project wood for free, spearmint. Ooh, we want some plants. Um, a bike. Oh, my gosh. So there's loads of stuff free for a homesteader here. So that's that's crazy. 
always kind of look to see what your options are to get it for free or lower cost first. Like we cut out our unnecessary spending. We paid off debt, like student loans, car finances, credit cards, store cards, like we paid off everything and then started to save up money. And like we knew that having a homestead was going to mean that there would be some infrastructure that would be needed like I didn't think that when we were getting to where we wanted to be with having a bit of land like I never I didn't think that it would have you know the coops and things on there that we wanted so I always figured that there was going to be some level of money that was going to be needed to be able to update things or repair stuff um you know because there's lots of things that are going to require money to fix things right like the coops or fencing that's going to need to be put in maybe you need an incubator for hatching eggs or maybe you need money for a sewing machine maybe you need to buy in compost or top soil to build your garden maybe you need a pressure canner right there's a lot of things that you might need to invest in your infrastructure for your homestead and you know we acquired things over time like canners for example um we started with a relatively inexpensive one like nearly 10 years ago um obviously the prices have changed now but we have a bigger one that we saved up for but we worked at it slowly and used what we had and then got the bigger one as we needed to so those things took time for us to acquire as well same with things like canning jars like whenever those were on sale I would you know buy you know a pack of them to make sure that we had plenty for the upcoming season so I always like started off small and you know same with things like saving up money I mean it took time to do that and it still takes time to do that so like once we've you know had to you know use some of that money to put in some infrastructure you know we need to rebuild that again and there's a lot of really great information about tackling debt saving money and investing it's a lot more accessible than it used to be and I am sure if you were to spend some time doing a little bit of research you will find somebody who has um, got the right voice that you need to hear to help you on your journey there and I'm not going to get into how we saved money and did all of that I mean that's probably an entire episode in itself on like the frugal tips and stuff that we did to be able to pay off our debt and start saving money um and you know it's it's a normal thing for most people in this day and age to um have to to deal with but it's not always something that is talked about so you know we've all made mistakes like all of us have made mistakes but each day we can make each day a little bit better than we were the day before and start working towards the dreams that you have and the life that you want. And that's kind of where we are too. Homesteading is hard work and can be overwhelming if you're overstretched with too many things, but there's a huge amount of joy that can come with it too. So I would love to know from you, what skills are you working on right now for your homestead? Let me know over in the Facebook group. And until next time, I hope your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all next week.